0: Father, I bless your sons and daughters in this room. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you live inside of each one of your children in this room. Father, I thank you for adopting us into your family when we put our faith in your Son. Thank you that we are members of your family. Thank you that you have made us citizens of your kingdom with full rights. And Father, I believe that you want to speak to us tonight. Holy Spirit, I believe you want to talk to us and show us things and teach us things. So we all individually, we invite you in our hearts. That we are open. We want to learn from you tonight. So we, uh, we invite your teaching ministry that you guide us into the truth, that you teach us things, that you open our eyes to see things we haven't seen before, that any any things we've believed that were not true about our Father, that those things fall off tonight, that we see our Father's character more clearly. And Father, I uh, you, your word says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So I thank you that you have made us righteous, and I declare your peace and your joy in this place and in each one tonight. And Father, I just bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so we are on week 10 of Healing School. How about that? And we could probably keep going till week 100. But... um. A couple of times during this series i've had felt like the lord had wanted me to invite someone up to share their testimony of how they first got introduced to healing or how they first got started praying for people so um tonight i've asked my friend amy to come up and speak to us so let's give amy a hand you good okay
1: hey um So uh, Neil asked me to come up and talk about how I personally got started praying for people and praying for healing. And um, I actually got my start when Neil got his start (laughs) because I was doing a Bible study with Teresa and um, another person, and while we were having Bible study, Neil And another guy used to go out and pray for people. And I think that's when you kind of got started. Yeah, yeah. And so we're all, you know, we have Bible study, they're off praying for people. And then they would come back and they would share all these awesome stories about people getting healed. And like, I think, so I look at that as my start because I would listen to these things and be like, what? And he was like that too, like, can you believe that? Yeah, yeah, I remember. (laughs) And so that's kind of where, I guess, an awakening started happening in my mind. Like, this could actually happen. And so week after week, they go out and pray and come back and tell us these amazing stories. And I don't think um, I necessarily thought that I would be doing that at that time. But at least it was starting to, like, I feel like awaken something in me that um, this is possible. Mm -hmm. And, like, this is something that some people can do. (laughs) But, um, so I didn't really, I mean, it was a while after that before I even stuck my big toe in anything, praying for healing. We had in this church a... um, what do you call it, conference uh, several years ago where Robbie Dawkins came and he talked and taught on how to pray for healing. And that was like a game changer for me. And at first it wasn't even, it was really scary. It was really, really scary. Um, But I believed his stories and I actually saw him pray for people in the room and and saw people get healed. And that was something very challenging for me because it rocked my world almost. Like, this is like, what? (laughs) And so, um, again, I hadn't really stepped out and done anything yet, but, you know, things were kind of stirring in me. And so after that, um, a short time after that, we um, had a family dog that we had um, lost um, a few years back. And my kids had been asking me for a pet. And um, they were begging me for a cat. And, <laughs> and at first, I was sensible and said, no, we're not getting a cat. And mostly because my daughter Emily is like, severely allergic to cats. And my mother has a cat. And whenever we would go to my mom's house, she would have severe allergic reaction. And my sister-in-law also has cats. And when we would go visit them, she would have to be on Benadryl 24 hours. And like just, it was bad. <laughs> so she would have, uh, she'd sneeze excessively. She, her eyes would swell. Her, um, she'd be like asthmatic and it was just bad so and I it was horrible because she had to be on allergy medication the whole time we're there and you know that's not fun so my kids started begging me for a cat and I really honestly don't know what came over me because we actually went to the SBCA to get a cat and I'm you know like I don't know (laughs) I can't explain that so but we brought the cat home and of course after uh, you know a day or so my my daughter starts having these severe allergic reactions again and I'm like feeling terrible now and I'm like what have I done this was so stupid I can't believe I did this now my kids are getting attached to this cat and we're gonna have to take this cat back and it was horrible and I was like really like what did I do like that was so stupid well something <laughs> occurred to me that um, well we're gonna try and pray about this, and because I did not want to have to take this cat back, because I did not want to break my kids' hearts, and and it was just not good. So, um, we started praying for Emily. Now, she was sneezing constantly. Her eyes were like swollen, and they were like swollen so much they were almost swollen shut. And she's on heavy doses of Benadryl. And I'm like, this is terrible, and I did this. Like I brought this animal into my house. And so, part of me is going, you know, like, why would God fix this situation? Like, I caused this. We, why would He fix this? But anyway, I was like so desperate, like it was out of desperation, that we started praying for Emily. And we just started commanding all the symptoms to go. We were commanding all the sneezing to go, all the allergic reaction to go, commanding her eyes, the swelling to go. And this went on for days. Like, it was days. And we just kept praying and praying. And um, one afternoon, I was sitting with her and her eyes were so swollen, she could barely open them. And I was like, this is it. (laughs) Like, if this doesn't work, this cat's got to go back. So I was praying for her. And I could see like before my eyes, I could see the swelling going down in her eyes and the itching and stuff. I mean, but it was we were praying and praying and praying and but I finally could see some physical response, and so we just kept praying and getting after it and the store- the end of the story is that all the Swelling went away, all the sneezing stopped, all all the stuff stopped. We still have the cat. She is not allergic to the cat. She's not allergic to my mom's cat, and she's not allergic to my sister-in-law's cats either. Who so That's
0: praise awesome. God, yes. praise Jesus. Yeah.
1: So after like seeing that in front of my eyes, and like, you know, we see that we have a cat in our house now and she's totally fine. That was kind of my first, like, okay, well, this actually <laughs> works. So um, I got more excited about that learning to pray that way. But it was still kind of scary. But um, the church started um, going out on Tuesdays to pray for people. So they would meet here on Tuesdays after t- Tuesday afternoons and go out. And pray for people, and that was so outside my comfort zone and so scary to me. But I knew I had to make myself do it, <laughs> otherwise I wouldn't do it. So I did. I made myself go. And you know, in the beginning, I didn't really participate much. I think I was just kind of like watching and seeing mm-hmm. what those who were really going for it, how they were praying. And but then I started to see, uh, you know, the results. People were getting healed and even if they weren't getting healed people were so blessed that somebody would just take their time out of their day to go pray for for them. I saw so many people that were so touched and so blessed just because you were there to offer them prayer and and you cared enough and you loved them. I mean and that was awesome and so over time um, I started participating and I started praying for people and, um, it's just really, really neat and it blows your mind every single time when you actually see somebody get healed. It never gets old. But, um, so I just kept practicing and practicing and, you know, sometimes you see people healed, sometimes you don't, but I never, like, there was never a time where somebody was not appreciative or thankful that you prayed for them. Even if they didn't experience healing, they were very, blessed so um that took the fear out of it for me like knowing that you can't lose like you just you can't lose because you are offering somebody love you're offering somebody a blessing and so so i just um continue to practice and continue to pray for people so that's how i got started All all right
0: thank you, Amy. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So while she was telling that, that reminded me of a story where it, um, it didn't go well for me. And um, this is very rare, but this is how it happened one time. And I'm telling this because of the way it ended up. So I was at Harris Teeter, and I went in there because we needed something. But I was probably going in there just to see if I could pay for somebody. But we also may have needed something. So I went into the, uh, I was walking around the store and I felt like the Lord had told me to pray for this one lady that was coming down the aisle. So I went up to her and I said, "Um, I feel like, I feel like um, God wants me to pray for you. Is there anything I could pray for for you? And she looked at me like, (laughs) like that. And I was like, I am so sorry. And so I just kind of walked away, and um, I was in the self checkout, and like all this condemnation started coming on me. And the voice was saying, You are making God look bad. You are making people think that Christians are wacko. Okay? That kind of stuff was coming at me and it was coming at me really hard. And um, then I went and I, I stopped at the gas station to get gas and it was still, it was coming on me so hard it felt like I was under a waterfall and I was like barely trying to breathe. It was so heavy on me. And um, I remember I was sitting there pumping gas and I was saying, there's no condemnation. I was trying to fight it, but it was still, it was powerful. Um, and so I got home, and I walked in the door, and Teresa was, uh, she said, what's wrong with you? Because I just, I didn't look, I guess I looked like I just got beat up or something. And she, she said, what's going on? I said, I told her what happened. She said, so God is mad at you for doing what Jesus told you to do. I was like, that is really smart. <laughs> That is really smart and so we st- we looked in um, I think it's in Matthew 5 or Matthew 6 it says blessed are you when people revile you so I just got blessed and what something she said made me remember this story was you can't lose because if you see them get healed what a blessing and if they get mad at you you're blessed like how can you lose you know what I'm saying so anyway thank you for reminding me of that story um, so tonight I want to do some review and maybe get some questions that maybe I haven't gotten to answer yet answered so if you have questions that come up during this just raise your hand and let me know one thing I haven't gotten to cover yet, and I want to do it first so I'll make sure we don't run out of time. Is what happens if you pray for someone, or you receive prayer, and the symptoms go away, but then they come back later. Alright? So let me ask this. If you, how many in people in here have received healing, divine healing, in their body, but their symptom came back later? Do y'all see that? So, this is not unusual. Now, if you'll turn with me, there's a couple of reasons for this. I'm going to, and I don't fully know all of the answer to this. But if we will turn to, um, I'm going to share with you some thoughts about this. Matthew chapter 12. Now, while you're turning there, Let's say you've been healed from like a uh, an injury that's from repetitive overuse or something. Like you're doing the you're using your arm the wrong way at work or something like that. And people pray for you, but you don't stop the behavior that caused the problem in the first place. The answer to that is stop doing that. Okay, if don't do things, don't continually do things that are unhealthy for your body. Okay? Yes. Right, sometimes you don't know what you're doing. Right, and that, that's valid. But like if you pray. Uh, yes, I, I believe you. I believe you. But Or sometimes part of the healing is God has given instructions in it. Through the person praying, maybe they got a word from the Lord, and they gave some instructions to the person. Now, before I say this, just because someone says God's telling you something doesn't mean God's telling you that. Okay, Because people are learning how to hear God's voice and share on His behalf. But if God tells you something and it confirms something inside of you, or He lets you know that's true somehow... If he gives you some instructions, then you need to follow those instructions because they're important. Okay? So when my wife was healed from fibromyalgia, there were several instructions. The night that she was healed, they they were praying for her. And the Holy Spirit uh, told my friend Bill to have my wife walk down the road, turn left, walk up the hill, and touch these mailboxes and come back. Which was about ten times farther than she was able to walk. And she got up and did it by faith and has been healed ever since. Hallelujah. That's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Now, when she got back, we got some instructions. Part of it is this uh, thing we're gonna, I'm going to be talking about in Matthew. But another part of the instructions was go get some walking shoes and go walking every day. So we went and got some walking shoes and we went walking every day and that's what we did. And in the first week she could walk maybe half a block. The first day about half a block. The second day we made it a little bit farther. The third day we made it all the way to the end of our cul de sac and she went up and hugged the stop sign. Because that was the this is like the first time we've been able to have a walk together in years. And every day it went farther and farther. We went farther and farther. And within, I think, a week or two, she could go a mile. Within a couple more weeks, it was two miles. Two miles from a wheelchair to walking two miles in a couple weeks. Now, she was healed from the pain instantly, but there was atrophy from not using her muscles, okay? So that seems normal to me. The cause of the problem has been eradicated. And so now we're making healthy habits. Walking is good for you. Stuff like that, okay? Okay? Everybody understand this? Now, if we had refused to obey those instructions that were from the Lord, I I can't tell you what would have happened. I don't know. Now, this isn't to put fear on you. If God's telling you the right way to go, go that way. Right? If He gives you the answer to the problem, then act on it. Now, there is grace from God for our mistakes. Okay? I'm not saying that. But if God gives you instructions and you just reject them, that can be a cause for your symptoms coming back on you because you're not following the directions. Like we read in 1 uh, in, uh, Timothy chapter 5, verse 23, where Paul told Timothy, don't just drink the water that's causing you stomach problems, add a little wine to it. Okay because that's like an antiseptic quality. I guess he was drinking dirty water and it was causing problems. But if he says, no, I'm just going to do it anyway, and he keeps having stomach problems, he can't blame that on God not wanting to heal him. Do you know what I'm saying? Or if you're doing something that's unhealthy, and you can think of all kinds of things here, and you keep doing it, and God heals you, but you don't stop it, then that's not God's fault. Okay? That doesn't mean God doesn't want to heal people. That means you're not using your brain. All right? So there are some natural reasons that the symptoms can return. Maybe you were healed from an injury and you re injure it somehow. Okay? So there are natural reasons that symptoms can return. But sometimes the reason the symptoms return are not natural. And that's what I want to talk about right now. So if you're in Matthew, I'm going to start reading in chapter 12, verse 43. It says, When an unclean spirit, this is Matthew 12, 43, When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. This is the Spirit talking. I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it also be with this wicked generation." Now, this is one of the scriptures I had a really hard time with for a long time because I thought, man, that's not even fair. How can you win? But I misunderstood what it meant when it said it finds the house empty, swept clean, and put in order. So this tells us that there is a... uh, this is your body, but the spirit thinks, it's, thinks of it as a house. Okay? So there's a spirit that has been driven out, and it says, a spirit goes out through dry places seeking rest, and finds none. So this spirit says to himself, now I'm talking about an evil spirit, another word for this, is a demon, or an unclean Spirit, foul spirit. these are all words that the Bible uses interchangeably. I'm going to use the word demon here most of the time. A demon is a it's, an, it's a being but it's not a human. it's subhuman. It's not an animal, it's kind of, it has things about it that are like animals and it has things about it that are kind of like people, but they're not people. Some people mistakenly believe that demons or spirits are dead people. These are not people. These are a different class of being, okay? Now we know, in, like in one way, they like to have a host. So in that way, they're kind of like parasites, okay? They like to operate undetected, so they're kind of like spies in that way. They like to gang up and intimidate, and they're kind of like the mafia in that way. And I would imagine a lot of the way the mafia operates is demonic in origin, by intimidating people and spreading fear. In another way, I like to think of them like termites. You don't need to be afraid of termites, but if you don't deal with it, it's gonna be a problem. Right, you don't need to be afraid of termites, you can squash them. But if you ignore them, or don't admit that they're there, or when you find out about them, you don't do something about it, you can end up with results that you don't want, okay? Think of demons like a bully that is smaller than you. That's another way to think of demons. They are not more powerful than you. They are less powerful than you. But they're like a bully that runs his mouth, and anybody that will be intimidated by him, he can walk all over. But when somebody stands up to him, that's the end of that. Okay? So a demon is not a person, and it's not like an animal. They're an invisible Being Now they have a mind, they have a will, because in this story, the demon says to himself, I don't like it out here. I think I'm going to go see if I can get back in. That's what it says in that story. The spirit is driven out, it goes through dry places, seeking rest, and finds none. This is something that's common among someone who's being harassed by demons is there's never any rest, there's never any peace. There's never so sometimes when you're praying for someone and there's a spirit involved, then they'll start feeling this turmoil inside of them, it just feels uneasy. And sometimes you can tell it's gone because they feel relaxed now or they feel lighter. People say that the demon's gone, I feel lighter. I don't tell them to say that. That's just something people say. I feel like something came off my chest. I feel like something lifted off my shoulders. You had a question? Yeah. I'm, I can't hear you. What, what do you say to these demons when you know they're... Cause I get it, you know. Right, when they're coming against you? Yeah. So what we, how we treat them, I base this completely off of the way Jesus treated them when he interacted with demons and also the way we see his followers dealing with them when they interacted with him. It's the identical same way. Okay, here's how they deal with them. They give them orders using their authority and tell them what to do. So Jesus, when you see him come across someone that is struggling with demonic oppression, he doesn't sit down and go through counseling sessions. Okay? Okay? Even though that can be valuable. I'm not discounting counseling. But when it's time to get the demon out, it's time to use your authority. Okay? And the way you use your authority, demons cannot read your mind. A lot of people don't seem to realize this. Jesus didn't make demons leave by just wishing they would go. And Jesus did not pray, Father, please make the demons go. And neither did any of his followers. As religious as that sounds, that is not how it works. Jesus would talk directly to the demon, to the unclean spirit, and he would say, Shut up and come out of him. Be silent and get out of here. Get out. Like that. That's how he did it, it's consistent. You can read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, and you'll see the exact same method. It's authority. And it's out loud. Even when Jesus resisted, resisted temptations from the devil in the wilderness, he spoke out loud. That's a, that's a great question. So a spirit has been driven out of this house and it wants to find a way to come back. Very often this is very common. Okay? So the symptoms can be gone and the person is free. Now I'm going to talk about a couple of ways this can happen. And then the enemy will come back and it's like knocking on the door with a, a sim imitating the symptom that was there before. It's like knocking at the door Seeing if the person there, now empty, swept, and put in order, means ready for visitors. Vacancy. And what needs to happen is that you need to be standing at the door of the house saying, wrong house. We don't play that here. We don't do that. Okay? So let me ask everybody this. Of those people that raised their hand earlier, If you have received healing and then you have a symptom come back on you and you're aware of this and you say, no, get out, and it left. Can I get a show of hands? I'm raising mine. Okay, do y'all see this? This is just how it works. So you need to be standing at the door saying, I don't believe that. Get away from me. So back to my story about Teresa. We had been, we had gone for a walk around Regency. That's like a mile and a half or so, something like that. And we're driving home, we're in the car. And about right before we got home, she looks over at me and says, Neil, the symptoms are back. All that pain's back in my body. And there was a very strong temptation right there to be afraid. To fear. And I imagine if we didn't do anything about it at that point, another temptation would be coming not long after that. I guess it didn't work. I guess I wasn't healed. But she was healed. But what that demon's wanting you to agree with it rather than with God. Now, before this experience, I'm telling you right now, if someone would have told me this, I would have said, you are crazy. I would have. But I looked over her and I said, Teresa, you were healed, so we're just gonna rebuke the devil right now. And so she said, in the name of Jesus, get off of me or something like that. I was healed, you can't come here. And everything went away, like in 30 seconds. true story. Riding in the car. No religious ceremony. Get off of me. It's a bully. It wasn't an argument. It was, get out. You're in the wrong place. So all of her symptoms went away. So when I saw that, this is now in my theology in concrete. Because I saw it. And it backs up the Bible and we did it and it worked okay so weeks go by the same thing happens again evidently the enemy knew where we were headed or had some idea and he wanted to shut us off and it didn't work but they the symptoms would come back on here and we would have to fight them off and sometimes it will be gone in a second Sometimes it would take a while. Sometimes it would take a long time. Now, I'm assuming this part is unusual, but there I can remember times where there was hours and hours of saying, This ain't this ain't this is not our life. We're not stuck in this. We're not ever going back in that wheelchair. We're not going there. That is not happening. And we would pray and pray until the symptoms were gone. We never ever agreed that it's coming back. We never let that come out of our mouth. And sometimes it was really hard to resist, but we did it and we won. And I am no different than any of you. If you have believed in Jesus as the Son of God that he paid for your sins then the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You are born again and you have authority over all power of the enemy and nothing shall harm you. It tells us in Luke 10:19. That is true of every believer, every Christian. Okay? So I'm just learning how to use my authority in the middle of the war. Yes, you have a question. Can you speak up due, a little bit? Subdued personalities, mm-hmm. maybe, it's hard to kind of walk in that authority.
1: And um, one day I was in the kitchen, and I was fighting off some things, but I was doing it kind of afraid, because I was scared, and I was unloading the dishwasher, and um, the dog came in, and he was getting into the dishwasher, you know, trying to get, you know, the food out. And I just looked at him, and I said, get out of here, get out of here.
0: And just like that, the Lord said, that's but the same way that you talk to, like, you know, your, your child, that you needed them to do. If it was an emergency, yeah. An emergency or, like, your pet, when you take authority over your pet. Right. That's how you have to do it. You can't say it's there. It. Right. Imagine, or, like, your, your car door's open and a dog jumps in there and starts to go to the bathroom in your carpet. Uh-huh. Are you going to go, well, I guess it, I guess it, okay. I left the door open. Absolutely. Is that what you're going to do? I've heard people say and teach this that you left the door open and so that's how the enemy has a right to be there. Has anybody ever heard that? The enemy doesn't have a right to be on any believer. That's a lie. That is not true. He has no right to touch us. So If someone has told you that, that's a lie. That is not true. We are the children of God. The enemy has no claim on us. So don't you ever believe that. But just think about it. your house. If you left the door open and some mosquitoes came in, or flies, do you say, well, we left the door open? Do you do that? No, you get them out of there. You kill them. You know what I'm saying? So don't put up with it. Even if it's your fault, don't put up with it. See, the enemy wants to always find a way that he can get us to agree with him and not fight. What a clever tactic. Or he'll tell somebody, no, God's doing that to you to teach you something when it's him doing it. Yes, sir? When I was raised, I was brought up in a uh, strict Pentecostal Holy Ghost, Holy Roller Church. Okay. That's the easiest way to put it. And uh, everything I've done was a sin. I don't care what it was. Yeah. And they taught me that you don't pray to get demons out of people because that demon is going to end up going into your body. So I was scared to death of praying for years and years and years mm-hmm. around anybody that had demons in them so I didn't want that demon coming into my body. Yeah, and see... That, that doesn't make any sense. Because Jesus, every time, I, I've heard that before. I've had people come up and think they're warning me that you are teaching these people to do these things and you're just going to bring trouble on people or on yourself. Somebody told me one time, you're just putting a big target on your back by teaching people how to cast out demons. I said, it doesn't matter if the target's on my back because I'm not running away. I'm coming at it. I don't care. I have, God gave me authority. Yes. Right. And he gave you authority. Yes. It's so funny when you're talking. I think I'm going to get a divorce. because I went to the bedroom door and I said, get out of here. I slay the door. And he was in there? I thought these nuts. But I do. I told him, get out. Yeah. Thanks for sleeping on the bedroom now. Okay. 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 <laughs> I tell him to get out if I'm at home and you get that feel like the heebie jeebies in your house I get up and I start reading Colossians 2 how I, we are above and I remind the enemy of his place which is below my feet yes. amen that's right Anytime fear is trying to influence your decision, you need to really consider what's going on right there. We are supposed to be led by peace, not by fear. Yes, sir. So if fear is coming on you, then speak to it. Say, I don't have a spirit of fear. Yes. Do not be afraid of the devil. I'm telling you, the enemy is afraid of us. They know if we find out who we are and what God gave us, what's going to happen. And we have testimonies in here each week. And everybody just raised their hand a minute ago. What happens when you find out you don't have to put up with it? Right? And you don't have to. I think that's good news. And it's true whether you believe it or not. So if you don't want to believe it, you don't have to. But if you want to believe it and start acting on what God gave you, then you get to. And that's up to you. That's not up to God. He gave you the authority. You have to use it. Right? It's kind of like when the Israelites were in the desert and God put manna every morning. Right? Right? But he didn't pick it up and put it in their mouth and make their mouth chew. Like they had to do something. They weren't making him give it. They were just... that You had to use what he gave you. And if you're not using it, you can't say it's his fault. You know what I'm saying? So... An evil spirit leaves and a lot of times it wants to come back and knock at the door a lot of times by trying to imitate a symptom you used to have now again this is not it's not always demons sometimes it's poor choices on someone's behalf that's why I started with that part but sometimes it is demons and the answer is to stand up and use your authority and say no. And if you find your, like if you're healed and your symptoms are gone and a week later your symptoms come back and, you, and it's not because of something you were doing and it's accompanied by a voice that's saying I guess it doesn't work. That's not you thinking that. That's a temptation and you need to recognize that for what it is. You may know what I'm talking about. It's like seeing if you're going to fall for it. Don't fall for it. And if you do fall for it, then just get up and get clean the house again. It's not over. Don't ever give up. That's something I. There's a verse in, uh, I think it's 2 Corinthians. if I remember this correctly it says I thank my God who always causes us to triumph and some nights when we were fighting and it was a war I felt like I was hanging on to that verse by one fingernail but we never gave up because we made a decision we are never going back there and so I don't care how long it takes I'm not going to be the one that gives up It's going to be the enemy, because I'm not giving up. I'm not stomping. Now, I will tell you, over time, those things got easier to see them coming or to deal with them. And I remember one night, we were laying down to go to bed, and Teresa said, you know what the uh, enemy was trying to tempt me with earlier? That these omega-3 oil... Vitamins that we take is what healed my body. I'm like, yeah, that's amazing that all those vitamins kicked in in one night. <laughs> How about that? That is fascinating. That's some amazing vitamins. Questions on this? Comments? What do y'all think about that? Yes?
1: I You saying about the
0: house and the demons coming out and stuff like that, but a while back you were saying that you can't be demonized, but you can't be possessed, you're talking. I mean, what's the, I don't understand. So she's asking me about being demon possessed or demonized. So let me, uh, I'll take a little bit on that. So demon possessed is written In a lot of Bibles describing what demons do but the Greek word so possessed means ownership okay if you possess something it's you you own that thing it's your possession right like if you own a car that car is your possession your car is possessed by you right and there is a Greek word I don't remember what it is right now that talks about ownership but that word is never used when it's talking about demons. Never. Not one time. Instead, there's a word, the Greek word, is daimon itzomai. And the closest English equivalent we can get to this is demonized. Or under the influence Of a demon, it doesn't mean the demon owns the house, it means the demon is influencing the house. So there: The person can refuse, but if they agree with the demon, then the demon is getting to control, because the person's agreeing with them. OK? It's like if any let me ask you this. this helps it make sense sometimes. Has anyone in here ever been tempted to do something you know is wrong and you don't want to do? That's not you, right? And sometimes you agree and do it anyway, right? You don't have to raise your hand for that, but I will. (laughs) What that means is that a demon just tempted you and you agreed so that demon got to influence your behavior right there, okay? Now, demonization can be very mild to very extreme to where a person doesn't understand that they can even make choices on their own anymore. Okay? So demonization means influenced by demons to some degree. Demon-possessed means owned by demons, and that word is not used when it talks about people and demons. Okay? So you Christian. Christians? Christians? Yeah. Anybody can be demonized if they don't know how to handle demons. Okay? And in fact, Paul, and one of the ways I know this to be true, because people a a lot of times ask, well, Christians can't be demonized. And so my question to them is, why does Paul tell us that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities? And that letter, Ephesians, is written to Christians. Or why does it say in James, resist the devil and he will flee if demons can't bother people? If demons can't bother Christians, why are those verses in the Bible? Right? Like our war is against demons, not against people. That's what Ephesians tells us. And it uses the the word wrestle there is Greco-Roman wrestling where you are, it's grappling and shoving your opponent in the dirt. That's the word that is there. Great question. Yeah. So a demon can influence someone in the area of sickness by trying to imitate a symptom. And if they will agree and say, oh no, I guess I didn't get healed, then that demon gets influenced there. Another thing that happens, now again, let me remind you, you have authority over all power of the enemy and nothing shall harm you That is, Jesus said that. And that's in Luke chapter 10, verse 19. You have authority. Okay? Do not forget that. And God gave that to all of his children. It's a gift. It's not something you earn. It's not something you maintain. It's yours. He gave it to you. Now, you have to learn how to use it, but you have it whether you use it or not. Okay? But like it says, resist the devil and he will flee. Sometimes there's a counterattack. When you, when you, especially when you start stepping out into some of these things we talk about in here, sometimes the enemy wants to try to put something back on you, and you have to stand up and say no. Does anybody in here experience that? A lot of people. Let me give you some examples of that. Now again. This is nothing to be afraid of. I just want you to be aware of some of the tactics. Sometimes you can pray for somebody, and whatever they got healed from, in about 30 minutes, that symptom will start coming on your body. Has that happened to anybody in here? Okay, that's not unusual. Don't let that scare you. Just say, I know what you're doing, and it ain't gonna work on me. Get out of here. Right? And that is the intention of that is to intimidate you or make you afraid and make you stop doing it. Does that make sense to everybody? So you don't ever need to be afraid of that. Or like that thing that was trying to get on me in the grocery store, that story I told. Condemnation. And it was it was a lie. But it made me want to say, I can't do this anymore. They wanted to take me out of the game. Tina. I love Bill Johnson's
1: quote, when you believe a lie, you empower the liar. And that's how power is lies.
0: So lies. So Tina said, if in case you didn't hear that, when you believe a lie, then you empower the liar. And the liar has no influence unless you want to believe the lies. The liar has no power unless you believe the lies. I'll tell you another personal story along these lines. So after Teresa was healed, um, months go by, life is awesome. Um, Every day there's new things we can do together. And then one day um, she decides that she's going to get weeds out of the garden. Garden by meaning our two flower beds in front of our townhouse because I'm not having a yard. but um. <laughs> So she's out there getting weeds out, and it's fun. And she ends up doing it for a couple of hours. And then um, she got, and because she's not used to doing that, like only a couple of months ago, she wasn't even able to hold a fork. Okay? So she gets tendonitis in her elbows. Okay? And that is a natural consequence of not, you know, That's like tennis elbow, okay? And so she got tendonitis in her elbows. And so we were doing everything we knew of to alleviate those symptoms, and we ended up going to physical therapy because it wouldn't go away. Going to physical therapy, but the symptoms kept getting worse and worse. And then it got to where she couldn't drive all the way to physical therapy. I would have to leave work, meet her halfway, pick her up and drive to the physical therapy, then drive back to her car and let her drive the rest of the way home one day the physical therapist said i don't know what's going on so you're going to have to go get some blood tests or something if we don't see something soon and so Teresa told me that and i'm driving back to work and i am getting mad i'm like i don't know what's going on here and i just start praying in the spirit okay speaking in tongues if you have not get baptized with the holy spirit and speak in tongues let me tell you something you need that and if you want that Come talk to me after class. So anyway, I'm praying to God, help me understand what's going on. The next day or, the day or two, I'm having lunch with a friend of mine. And I'm asking him about this stuff. And he said, man, I've been meaning to tell you this, but I wasn't sure. So take it however you want to. But it, it seems like the thing that's going on with Teresa's arms is a spirit of infirmity. And when he said that, I knew it was right and I got so mad. I'm like, I am going to get you. So I drove home that day, I walk in the door, and before I got to the couch, I'm saying, it's a demon and it's about to get out of here. And she said, it left her before I got to the couch. <laughs> True story. Okay? It did. They know who knows what they're doing. They know who, the people who know their authority yeah. Yeah. and I'm not saying this to brag on myself I just believe it it's the same thing I don't have anything you don't have okay I just have experience that's about the only difference I'll tell you a couple of this I want to build your courage around demons yes a story, although it's not healing related. okay Can you speak up so everybody can hear you? Okay. I have a two-year-old and a five-year-old. And of course, the two-year-old has some jealousy with the baby and whatnot. And he's also two. Okay. He's sassy and normal. stuff. But then he was going crazy to the point where I'm like, what happened to my sweet child? Because he's horrible. Like, his behavior is just like. Somebody there is trying to influence you and that's what's going on. And she pointed out some things that okay. I couldn't see before, I guess because I was too close to them. And we had a conversation similar to this about how to talk to Clay and how to talk to my child. And it was amazing because like the day after he's like I have my little boy back. He's still too. he's still sassy, right. he still does it, but he's not an evil child anymore. Mm. Okay. And I could see it in his eyes where he was like pushing buttons that a two-year-old shouldn't know how to push. Okay. And, and, and then I would do that. you know, I would like talk to that thing in a certain way. And right. Talk to my son in another way. Mm-hmm. And that thing was gone. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. One time there was a man um, that I prayed for his back. And he had, um, during when we were praying for his back, we found out that there was a, uh, there was a demon that was lying to him and telling him that he had arthritis. We found that out while we were praying, okay? Because someone with us, the Lord showed her that's what was going on. And so when we came into that to all his back pain went away. And so then I explained to him some of this stuff about this house. And so we come back the next week, How's your back doing? Man, it's terrible. So we say, in the name of Jesus, get out. You don't belong here. He was healed. Gone. Back's fine. Next week, we come back to his house. This sounds like a joke, but it's not. The next week we come back, same thing. Back pain. And we treat it the same way. Wrong answer. You can't be here. He's healed. Leave his body. All symptoms gone. I think... The next week we come back. And I didn't talk to him beforehand, but we're in like a room and we start praying for people. And I'm praying for this kid who has something wrong with his eye. And I'm, I'm sitting there praying and I'm getting kind of irritated because it's not I'm not seeing anything happen. And I said, do you mind if I treat this like it's spiritual? He said, sure. And I said, in the name of Jesus, you get out. And I was kind of loud about it. And that guy, every, he was in the chair over there. He said, it just left again. And I wasn't even talking to him. True story. Um, one more, and then I'll get you, okay? We have pulled up to someone's house to pray for a family member that was having demonic issues. And we pull up to, in front of the house. They told us later, when we got there, that thing said, who were they? they? No, why are they here? Why are they here? What are they doing here? That's right, what are we doing here? You can have a reputation like that. And, and all it is is learning how to use your authority that you already have. Okay? Alright, David? So, um,
1: just to my kid my two youngest kids were younger like five and six they would on occasion be able to see demons and so i just taught them when you see it you tell it to go in the name of jesus that it's not allowed here and go and they would do it and so if a five and six year old can do it we can do it
0: Mm -hmm. I love how um, Amy teaches her children because she talks about there is no junior Holy Spirit. Right? They have the same Holy Spirit adults have and the same authority. Yes? Um,
1: to build on that, my daughter
0: had a dream that there was a demon in the house. Okay. And she was standing at the top of the stairs and she looked down and pointed at it and said, Be gone in the name of Jesus. And she said it went immediately, And she woke up. That's right. We can dream it and do it. We can dream it and do it. And God can teach us our authority in dreams, too. Absolutely. Any more questions or comments on any of this? I'm just going to pray for a second. So I command this distraction to be gone out of here, that we can focus, and that we are going to learn everything we're supposed to learn tonight. In Jesus' name, any spirit of distraction, I command you to shut up. I command you to leave. And I command this storm, you be still and be quiet. In Jesus' name, you be still and be quiet. In Jesus' name. And if you agree, just say amen. Amen. All right. Let's see how that turns out. Questions on this house and on this demonic uh, oppression? Yes. What about multiple demons affecting a person? Right. For like So what do you mean? What's your question? Um, somewhere in the Bible, like, I've seen a couple of different places where a person will be possessed by more than one demon. Correct. Uh, or, as it said earlier, you cast without out and come back. Correct. So how, can, how do we know when that's happening? How do we know when there's more than one demon? So her question is, sometimes there's multiple demons in the Bible affecting the same person. And I've, that's been my experience also. I've seen that happen. And she's saying, how can we practically deal with that or know that that's over? Is that what you're asking me? Is that what you're asking me? How can we tell when they're all gone or how do we deal with that? Okay. So when I uh, run into someone and they've got, there's a demon on them and it becomes obvious we command the demon to go. And usually they will know when something has happened. Like I've had people say, I felt it go out of my arm, or I felt it go out of my leg, or I felt it come off of me, or I just know it left. I've had them roar as it came out. Okay? And then I'll ask them, do you feel peaceful now? Or do you still feel like there's some turmoil? That's what I do. And if they say no, I still don't feel like it's I don't feel like it's peaceful. It feels like there's still some turmoil. Because evil spirits are restless. Then I'll come against the next one. Now when you're dealing with demons, always have one antenna out because the Holy Spirit will tell you the name of it or what's going on. Or he will give you some information to help out. Or sometimes I'll say when I'm praying for somebody. What kind of thoughts are going through your head? And sometimes that can be very revealing because I've had them say, it says it's not going to leave. And we're not even praying against demons yet. Like it's pain. We're praying for pain. I say, do you have any thoughts coming through your head? They'll say, yeah, it's saying it's not leaving. Well, pain doesn't talk. Anybody ever? Anybody else had this? No? run into this yes Tina yes so I will do that and I will um and wait until they feel like they have peace now that that's how I deal with that the first time I had a uh, the second time the second time I had an encounter casting demons out of someone the woman had like 13 and they came out naming themselves and the way this was working this night We're having Bible study and everybody's kind of worshiping and then she's in the floor and she starts growling. And so Teresa says, Neil, you need to get over there. Oh, that was funny. And um, I went over there and started praying for her. Sure enough, it was demonic. And so Teresa is over in the corner and she's praying in the spirit. And then she would come over and tell me the name of it because the Holy Spirit would tell her and then I would command it to leave. And we did that, and I think there was about 13 that came out of her. I got to go to war against this distracting spirit some more. So you just join me. In the name of Jesus, we are not distracted. We can focus. In Jesus' name, any distraction, I command you to leave this place. We receive everything God wants us to have. And I command this storm to be quiet. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Alright, now I want to come back and do a review of some of the basics that we've covered these last ten weeks. Yes? When
1: you're talking about naming the spirits, are you talking about like a spirit of infirmity or a spirit of fear? Or something I am, yes. Correct.
0: Like a John Smith. Correct. They are, their name, usually it seems that their name is whatever they are How they express themselves, or whatever they're trying to put on the person. Like a spirit of fear would be something that wants to tempt people to be afraid, or it's a spirit that's afraid that wants to express itself through a person. Okay, for example, or there was a woman with a spirit of infirmity in Luke 13 where she had back problems that says she was bent over and she couldn't stand up straight, and Jesus did not send her to a chiropractor, he cast the spirit of infirmity off of her and she could stand up. Okay? That's what I was talking about. So, some of the major things that I want you to come away with from this series. Number one, I want you on your own or going back through these, figure out how you feel about God's will when it comes to healing because that's going to affect everything else what is God's will when it comes to healing does God want to heal people all the time sometimes or never and I'll give you a hint the answer is always but one way you can study this for yourself the clearest picture we have in any time in history of God's character is Jesus Christ and look at how did jesus treat sickness did he heal people sometimes did he heal people all the time or never always so that's god that's what god is like but don't just trust me go find that out for yourself so number one is want you to find out about god's will in healing if you would like some material Along those lines, I have a bunch I've written up from my own studies on my website. It's net, And if you go into the healing section on there, I've laid out some uh, evidence for God's will when it comes to healing. Number two. you to find out about your authority and get to the point where you believe it let me give you three let me give you four scriptures for this five scriptures for this Luke 9 1 2 Luke 10 Nineteen Mark chapter sixteen and Ephesians one fifteen through two verse ten. Okay, and there's other ones you can find. How about, um, James four seven. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It doesn't say ask God to resist the devil and he will flee from God. It says you resist the devil and the devil will flee from you. Alright, for three I'm going to give you... This is practical application. I don't like formulas... But for my study of healing, the simplest I can make it, the part of healing that we can act on, goes like this. And to me, I find this to be consistent throughout all the healing stories in the Bible, all the ones that I know of. Number one is when it's time to minister, you listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit because a lot of times he's going to have something to say about it. Now learning to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit is an adventure. And if you've never tried that or thought about that or if you're doing that, one thing I want you to pray is Holy Spirit, teach me how to recognize your voice. And he will. He will do that. Ask Him to teach you about recognizing His voice. And He will teach you how to recognize His voice. Because He wants to talk to you. And He wants to see people get healed. And He wants to do it through you. Okay? That's how He designed it to work. Now, if the Holy Spirit tells you something to do in the moment then that is what you're supposed to do. For example, when my wife was healed, the Holy Spirit told Bill to have my wife walk and touch the mailbox and come back. Okay, So that's what he told her, and that was the end of that. And she was healed. Now sometimes he doesn't tell you what to do in the moment. He doesn't give you a special revelation in the moment. And that's okay, because the Holy Spirit also wrote the Bible. And so he has spoken to us in the Word of God. And in the Bible, the way that they minister healing outside of any other instruction from the Holy Spirit is they evict the problem using their authority. And that's how you do it. Or another, another means of doing the same thing is speak life. To, the, to their body. I'll give you an example of each of these. A leper came to Jesus and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus did not go, Dear Heavenly Father, this man has suffered so long. What a great testimony it would be if he would be healed. He didn't do that. Jesus looked at the man and said, I will, I am willing, be cleansed. So he spoke life to his body and it said the leprosy left him an example of evicting the problem they took in luke chapter 4 they took jesus to see peter's mother-in-law who was sick with a fever and it says jesus rebuked the fever and it left her so jesus spoke to a fever sometimes the problem is a physical problem sometimes it's emotional sometimes it's mental sometimes it's demonic so in that case you speak to the demon and tell it to leave okay what you need to begin doing is not seeing yourself like a beggar that's trying to talk God into doing something instead you need to start looking at yourself as you are law enforcement for the kingdom of God And God sent you there to take care of business and gave you power and authority to handle it. And that he is wanting to back up what you're saying, whatever you're saying that is in line with his will. And again, don't just take my word for this. Study this out for yourself. Read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts. And skip to the healing parts or the parts where there's demons. And look at how they operate. Look at how the person ministering treats it. They never blame the sick person. They never require things out of the sick person. They never require things out of the sick person's family. They act like they know what God wants, and then they enforce it. It's like you're enforcing God's will. You never see Peter and John and Paul when it comes to praying for the sick saying, God, if it's your will. Because they already knew what his will was. That's why number one here is so important. The more confident you are in God's will and healing, the more confident you are when you're using your authority to enforce his will. That, those are directly related, at least in my experience. The more radically I believe God wants to heal everybody, the more times I see people get healed. That's my personal experience. That's why that night when I'm praying for that kid's eyes and nothing's happening, I'm it bothers me because I know God wants to heal him. So there's something else I don't understand. Now, if you pray and nothing happens, or it doesn't seem like anything happens, instead of feeling guilty or condemned, say, Father, I know you want me to learn how to do this, so you keep teaching me and I'll keep learning. And have that kind of attitude. Okay? Don't feel guilty. Be a a student. You're a student. You're learning. God knows you're learning. any interaction you have with anyone that you're praying for, where the Holy Spirit does not give you specific instructions, I want your main goal to be, when you leave that, that person knows God loves them. Whether they see something happen or not. Okay? Some things that Jesus never did when it came to healing. He never blamed God. He never told the people they didn't have enough faith to get healed. He never told them it wasn't God's timing. He never blamed it on their parents or their family. And if we're going to represent Jesus, then we shouldn't be doing that stuff either. Okay? If you're praying and nothing's working out, do not jump to conclusions that contradict Jesus. By saying, well, I guess it wasn't God's will. Okay? If you have to jump to conclusions, jump to conclusions that line up with Jesus we're all going to run into situations where we don't know what's going on and it's uncomfortable and that's just part of the program I wish it wasn't but it is and that is as simple as I can make it and if you can get started here God's going to teach you a lot of things I can't teach you okay Never feel like you have arrived or you know it all because we're always learning. One thing I take great comfort in, though, the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. And every healing that has ever happened, he did it. And so he knows how to do it. So I have the master teacher with me all the time. Okay? So I have great confidence when I go into a situation, he knows how to take care of it even if I don't. Hey? now sometimes when you're on your way to pray for someone you can be tempted with fear and stuff like this like sometimes it will I'll, the enemy will start showing me pictures of how disappointed they're going to be when nothing happens right or how offended they're going to be and these are imaginary features that never come to pass and you have a choice in that moment to believe that or not does anybody know what I'm talking about? You know God wants you to go do something, and then you start going that way, and then all these movie reels of all these disasters start playing in your head. Well, if you find that yourself in that situation, speak to that and tell that to shut up. Okay? Like, um, I have Bible verses that I keep on hand that I bring out when it's time to battle those kind of things. One of my favorite ones is towards the end of Mark 16. It says, These signs will follow them that believe. They shall lay their hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Okay? Right? So when I'm driving to someone's house to pray for them, and I start seeing these movies of how disappointed everybody's going to be, then I start saying, I'm a believer, and signs follow me. Signs follow me. When I lay my hands on the sick, they recover. And then I start making it personal. Because this is how I battle it. Because I'm getting myself to believe God rather than these pictures that are going on. So I'll say, when this hand touches people, their body changes. Because all I'm doing is taking that Bible verse that I lay hands on the sick and they recover and making it personal. Do you see what I'm saying? Does that sound arrogant? No, that's not arrogant. That's faith. If you believe God, that's not arrogant. If you believe what God says about you, even when you don't feel like it, that's not arrogant. And if your Father in Heaven said, when you lay hands on your, your hands on the sick, they will recover, and you decide you want to believe that, that's not being arrogant. So you need to start saying, God, you said when I touch people, they get better. So you show me how, that you train me. Can we do that? Alright, so we're about out of time. I want to leave some time at the end for some questions. Um, so, anybody have anything they want to ask about healing? I can't guarantee that I'll know the answer, but you're welcome to ask them. you email we this session, because I want my to see this Sure, yeah, as long as you're on the email list over there you'll get an email in a couple of days with the video of tonight you. you're welcome and if you haven't signed up and you want the recording to the classes just write your email address legibly on the uh, paper up there at the table alright so now n- no questions alright well I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to practice what we preach okay and we all get to play Father, your word is true. And the things that you say about us, we believe it. We believe it even if we don't feel like it. I thank you, Father, that you revealed your character through your Son who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So we believe that. And we believe when Jesus said, That those who believe in him, the works he does, we shall do also, and even greater, because he goes to his Father. We believe that you meant that. That each one of us, you want us to do greater works. We believe that's your will, that's what you want, that's your desire. So we believe that. We want to learn, Lord. We pray you teach us, you train us. As we read through the scriptures, we pray you lead us to the right place. That you help us see things that we've never seen. And Father, my prayer for each one, Lord, that specifically you train them in hearing your voice, and I pray you train them in their authority. That you train them in hearing your voice, and I pray, Lord, you train them in understanding and exercising their authority. And Holy Spirit, as we begin to minister tonight, I welcome your presence in here. We all welcome your presence. I know you're already here, but we welcome you to manifest yourself, to make yourself tangible to us, We pray, Lord, you guide this time right now that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay, I'm going to do things a little bit different tonight.